If you're taking notes today, note takers are history makers. We're going to title the message today, Love Is, Love Is, and I'm tag team preaching with my beautiful wife up here, Ashley Hope. Been married 14 years this year, and uh, we got five kids. In case, in case you haven't heard, I tell you every week. You're like, we know. You talk about all five every week. All right. Um, but we want to give an award out today. If you are married, would you stand up with your spouse just for a second? Come on, win some brownie points, husband. Stand up with her and stand up with them. And uh, can we celebrate all the married couples in the room Woo-hoo! today? Come on. Celebrate yourselves. Hey, would you stay standing if you've been married for longer than 10 years? Longer than 10 years. All right. Come on, we got a lot of decade-long marriages in the room. If you've been married longer than 20 years, stay standing. Longer than 20 years. We're going to find out who's been married the longest today. If you've been married longer than 30 years, stay standing. Come on, look at all these 30-year-plus-long wow, marriages. Amazing. I just think that's amazing. That's incredible. All right, if you've been married longer than 40 years, 40 years or longer, stay standing This is awesome. 40 years of staying together. And next week, by the way, I'm going to interview Grand Grand and I'm going to pull up Pastor Sharon. We're going to talk about love and a legacy of love. But I just look at this room. This is 40 year long marriages all around the room, 40 plus years. If you've been married for 50 years or longer, 50 years, look at all the 50 year plus marriages in the room. Oh, we can do better than that, y'all. That's 50 years. Come on. All right, if you've been married for 60 years, stay standing. 60 years. I see. Incredible. Is it down to y'all, these two couples right here? Is there anyone else? Oh, there's three couples in the room. Three couples in the room that have been married for 60 years. All right, we're going to find out how many, specifically, how many years y'all have been married. 60 years and five months. Come on! 60 years and five months. All right, we're coming back here. How long y'all been married? 64. 64 years. Ron's parents. Yes, this is Ron and Lynette Lewis's parents. Ron and Lynette come and preach here often. Come on, this is the mom and dad right here. 64 years. All right, we're coming back over here. Now, Ray, he was one of my Royal Ranger commanders when I was seven years old. 61 years. 61 years. How many of y'all think we should just bless all three couples with something nice? Okay, so Drew, Courtney, y'all, we're going to get you something, but let's give this to somebody. We'll give this to, the, we'll give this to uh, Jerry and Pat right here. One more time, can we give them all a big hand? Come on. All right, well, we, how many of you guys have some pet peeves in your marriage with your spouse? <laughs> how many of y'all? Okay. Did you guys see, we made a little video. Did y'all see this video on social media? How many of y'all did not see what I'm talking about? You're like, what is he talking about? Okay, would you like to see some of Ashley and I's? <laughs> some of you guys already know. You're like, we, we, we know she didn't like that sweater you were wearing a couple weeks ago. And <laughs> there was a whole debate about it on stage and on social media. But we shared this on social media, and I asked Ashley permission, can we show this? So there's a little filter on our voices. We we sound a little weird, but we'll show it to you. Check this out. I don't know who makes these words up, but somebody exchanged the word pet peeves for ick. For ick. Things that annoy us about one another. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I was going to go first. I was going to go first. So annoyed by me chewing my gum. I was actually going to say, one of my icks that Paul does is chewing gum. Apparently, I'm a loud dump chewer. Nobody gave him a lesson or ever called him out. I don't know where his accountability was growing up. When he, when he put a piece of gum in his mouth, he was not there. She like, it's so annoying. It's so... She also lets me know about uh, just my driving, that sometimes I go a little bit to the left or the right, 
and all over the road. If I'm following him, I'll call him and I'll say, hey, you are all over the road. I just want to make Not my true. mark across the streets. And will I see a monster? Make your mark another way. Uh, okay, well, I'm all over the road. Oh, you're telling me. You're telling, you're actually telling the eggs about yourself. You want me to tell you the eggs? I was, it didn't have so eggs on you. It's in a Kyle actually. I will give a couple. Okay? Well, hold on. Besides just cho uh, chomping, he smacks his food. And oh my goodness. It is really so annoying. What it is a strong egg, or however you want to say it. It's not. When he's asleep, the littlest, the littlest, littlest thing of light, the littlest thing of light wakes him up. He could hear a train outside, not wake up. But the light on my screen, on the lowest dim, does that phone have a uh, light dimmer? I'm like, how in the world? So if I want to be on my phone at night, which is a really bad sleeping habit, me. I have to be under the covers to be on my phone. And anyways, okay, you can share your ics about me. Uh, let's see here. I'm just thinking about them all. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out which one to start with. She will ask me. She'll be like, what do you want to eat? And I'll say, hey, you choose. And she's like, no, you choose. And so I'll go, burgers? She's like, nope. Tacos? Nope. Okay. I'm like, pasta? She's like, nope. I'm like, I'll make 20 things. She goes, nope, nope, nope. I go, you just told me to choose. And she's like, well, I don't like any of your choices. He's repeating a no, no, the meme is my life. Okay, you could cut He's it right there. <laughs> How many of you guys can relate? You got a couple of things. You're like, I love them. I love them. Um, all right, if you got a Bible, go to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. Come on, we love the Word of God. And we get loud. Listen, that was kind of low. It's Super Bowl Sunday, my friends. I saw this picture that someone posted this week, and I don't know if we've got it, about Super Bowl Sunday. But we should get, if you've got it, throw it up there on the screen. We should get excited about church just like the world gets excited about the Super Bowl. So when your pastor makes a point this Sunday, poor Gatorade. Oh, why would we broadcast all over that's her the head? Pastor, right there, right there. This guy. <laughs> this guy. Come on. All right. First Corinthians thirteen. Woo! Yeah! Woo! Paul the apostle says, "I want to talk to you about love." And he says, "If I speak in tongues and I can talk to the angels, but I have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a." That is so annoying right there. That's what Paul the Apostle was saying. It's so annoying when we are so spiritually prideful about our gifts, but we don't know how to love one another. Ashley, talk a little bit about what this sermon's all about and what love is as Paul's about to unpack it. Not this Paul, but that Paul. Yeah. Um, you know, first off, I feel completely disqualified to speak in the room of people who have been married for 60 plus years. I just feel like when they were standing up, I was just going to go run them their microphone and be like, it's your Sunday. You take it. You Preach. talk about love because it's incredible what is represented um, in this in this body, in this church, it's a, a just side note, just a beautiful thing to be planted in the body of Christ. Because yes. then you're surrounded by stories that have really stuck it out. And uh, we know, you guys know that love is not a feeling. It truly is a choice. And I think about, you know, Paul in the Bible talking to the Corinthian church who really majored on spiritual gifts speaking in tongues, impartation, prophesy, prophesying, all those things. And those are all really great things. But he said, none of that matters if we can't love people. None of that matters. And I, and I have been encouraged, even as we've been preparing for this message in church, can I just call us out for a second, that it is so easy to hide behind our spiritual gifts hide behind a resume to ourself of, oh, I go to church, oh, I go to a group, oh, I'm on the dream team, but then completely neglect the love walk that God has called us to walk in. Yeah. Or maybe not even completely, but just we've settled for partially 
living out what God says love is. Yeah. And it is so easy we're, we're when, when we're in the heat of a moment, we got some moments and there is heat. Like there's some heated conversations. There's some, especially we work together, every child, it's like the temperature rose in our house, the opportunity to disagree, all those things. The opportunity rises up and it's easy to forget the definition of love. It is easy to weaken the definition of love so that we feel more comfortable. It is easy to blur out the definition of love because we want to continue on our path and we don't want to deal with the issues of the heart. Love, everybody say love. Love. Is. Is. A choice. A choice. And you know, sometimes we think, well, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to respond this way until it's really genuine. You know, I'm with you. I'm about genuine action. I want my heart and my mind. I want it all to line up. But can I tell you that we can genuinely choose love? It's good. That it could be a genuine choice, that even though we don't feel like it, our choice to love can be genuine. So and it's actually the choice that makes it powerful. Because if you think about God giving his one and only son, he chose to give his son for you and for me. It's his choice that made his story for us and his creation a love story and not a story of dictatorship. That it's that choice that he chose us. And I'm thankful that he gives us the choice to love him. That he's not forcing our arm to love him. That when he died on the cross, that he was not making us prove ourselves that we were worthy of his love. Yeah. That in our sin, in our dysfunction, when we had yet to say one declaration of salvation, that he still chose to say you are worth it. I still choose you. What a powerful gift that we can give to our spouses, to the people around us, the people that deserve it the least. Our bosses, our family members, our kids, whatever situation, whatever season of life we are in, that we can choose to give the gift of love. So good. Everybody say love is a choice. Love is a choice. More than a feeling. More than a More feeling. than a feeling. So Paul the Apostle goes on to say, if I have the gift of prophecy, if I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not love, I am nothing. Now, I grew up with a dad that had a lot of faith. The room you're sitting in is a debt-free building, which is incredible. It took a lot of faith for this church to be established and to build the school, the dream center, the camp, the college. Every time a a pastor comes to our church, they go, hold up. You guys aren't just a church. You have a school. I said, yeah. And they go, so that's it. Just a school and a church. I go, and a camp. And they're like, wait, you have a camp, but that's it, right? Just a camp, a school. I said, and a college. They're like, wait, what? Like, who started this? I said, my dad, him and my mom had so much faith. And, And yet at the same time, Paul the Apostle says, if I have faith to build incredible ministries, but I don't love my family, or I don't love my spouse, or I don't show love to the person that's right in front of me. And sometimes it's easier to love a stranger than it is to love the people in your own house. And he says, if I, if I do all the faith stuff and I've got all the information and I've memorized the Torah and I know Genesis, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and I can quote to you any scripture passage, but I treat people rudely and I'm disrespectful to my family, he says, then I'm nothing. Now, this is Paul the Apostle, a very religious guy in his time, a man who grew up and, and, and prided himself at the, before he found Christ. He prided himself in how much information he had studied and that he had been trained by Gamaliel. This guy really was a Bible scholar, but he said, none of that stuff matters if I don't love people. Information can become very prideful and can and puff a person up. It can, uh, there's, love is constantly at war with pride. Pride is, it's, it's a constant um, 
like it's an attack against our relationship, against intimacy, against love. And so we've got to fight against it. And we know that Jesus modeled this for us, right? He washed his disciples' feet. He sat with sinners. He identified with people that everyone else outcasted. Jesus was someone who was constantly preaching about love. It was his main message. In fact, he told his disciples, the world will know that you are my disciples by how much information you've studied. Just testing to see if you're here. By how many gifts of the Spirit you can flow in during one church service. No, he says, the world will know that you're my church by the way you love. That was his chief message, was just love, 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 love. And when you think you've done enough loving, love more. And you think you've loved so well, turn the other cheek and love the people who hate you. Love people. So let's talk about what love is. Let's go to verse four. Love is patient. Love is patient. And all, all the turning the other cheek and showing up to love again and again, anybody else sometimes feel exhausted by the thought of that? It really is impossible. I got a few honest hands back there. It is, it is impossible to walk out love without a vibrant relationship with our Heavenly Father. Because the love out here grows out of the love that we accept right here. The more that I can be rooted in God's love for me. How do I know if it's truly rooted? Man, it shows up out here. The more that I believe God's acceptance and his love and the more that I receive his compassion for me, the more that it's able to overflow out here expecting nothing in return because I'm full right here. I'm a lot more tolerant out here when I've received God's patience and his love for me right here. Paul's sermon last weekend was so good. It was all about that. God's love for me is the foundation. Why? Because God is love. God is love. Okay, so love is patient. How many of you guys have kids in the room? I don't know what requires more patience than being in a toddler stage and them refusing your help. That they are so independent. Our our little three-year-old, oh, I need to do it, I need to do it. To put themselves and strap themselves in their five harness car seat. Like, and of course you're in a hurry. Wow, an opportunity for patience. Mm. The, the noise, the noise in our house, an opportunity for patience. So sometimes loud. As, so loud. As a so parent, loud. sometimes I'm like living in an Instapot. Anybody like cook with an Instapot? Just like the pressure is rising and the steam yes. is coming, is coming out. <laughs> yes, being married <laughs> definitely <laughs> has grown our patience. It has. But being parents has, has really taken it to the next level. You can get away with a little bit here, but being patient, being um, impatient with your children, like especially when you're teaching them to be patient with one another, they will call you out. And so it's it's the accountability, even the opportunity and the accountability mm. has risen in our home to practice. Patience. Love is patient. What does that mean? Love is willing to wait. It's good. Love is willing to wait for your turn. Love is love is slow to speak. I mean, I I just get convicted by that alone. Because how many of you are in a situation when there's conflict resolution when, is, is a goal and the conflict is, is present and you need to resolve it? And most of us, a lot of us, unless we've just given ourselves a good patient love pep talk before going in. Anybody need to give yourself your own pep talk before you go into a conversation? Well, I know I do. And I'll have to tell myself, slow to speak. I actually care about what they have to say. It's not about just getting what 
I want to say out. (laughs) Because so many times we just care about being understood. We just care about getting our side out. We just care about being heard. But that's not real love. Love is patient. We're willing to wait. Love is patient. Our love for God That should be seen in our willingness to wait for his plans and his purposes to come to pass in our life. That our love and our trust in God, that that should come out in our willingness to wait on his timing. Mm -hmm. The singles in the room, that your desire for intimacy one day, that your love and your love for his word, that should come out in your self-control to wait to experience intimacy, sexual intimacy in marriage. Love is patient. You know, if you think about it, if you're honest with yourself, again, I already saw the, the willingness to be honest in this room. There was only a few hands, so I won't make you raise your hands I at might, this moment. I might make some but what are some But what are some areas in your heart that you just get triggered with your patience? Mm. What is that? You know, slow I know drivers. when you're willing to, slow drivers. Slow drivers. I will admit, I'm a lane changer. I am a lane changer. And it is, you know, and you can tell the people who are impatient um, on the roads because they're getting pulled over. And um, I have been pulled over Slow too many down. times. And um, my, our kids, I, um, I'll tell them, they'll, accountability, they'll show up. They're like, whoa, you're going, you're going fast. Anyways, accountability, being patient. But what, what's something that triggers me to not, to, to be impatient is when I have an overbooked schedule. It's just the practical things. Mm. When I'm trying to be present with my kids, if I'm trying to accomplish too much, I do not have the patience for their little stories and how long it takes them to get their little words out of their mouth. I just don't have the patience for it if I'm trying to accomplish too much. So I have learned that fully fully being present in a moment in a season allows me, is the pathway for me to be patient. And I need to know my triggers. And there are moments that I need to accomplish, but there are a lot of times that less is more important than Mm -hmm. sacrificing my love walk, than sacrificing me being impatient. Love is patient. You know, as we were waiting on the Lord, as we're worshiping, you know, the times when our, our worship team does a great job creating moments just to wait on the Lord and not just rush into the next song. Yeah, it's good. When you think about that, love is patient. God, I love you so much that I'm going to wait on your word. Yes. That I'm going to wait on your time, that I'm not just going to go be hasty. Proverbs 14, 19 talks about how wherever there's patience, There's great understanding. Mm. That's a word for some of us. Some of us want to run ahead. But if we're patient, that great clarity and great understanding can come. Great understanding and clarity on a relationship with your spouse, with your friends. Great understanding on a decision about a job. Some of you are like, oh man, I need to tell my boss what's up. I need to go give them the plan. They can no longer get away with this. Could that be right? Could you work for a boss that's just hard to work for? Maybe not this boss. But could could that be the case? Yes. But can I tell you, if you are patient and you wait and calm yourself down to where your soul is centered and your mind is at ease. Great understanding and a strategy is on the other side of you waiting. Love is patient. So good. You know, even as she was explaining patience, I was like, we got 10 other points here. Oh, sorry. I was practicing patience. Practicing patience. patience. <laughs> Everybody say practice kids. patience. Just say slow down, bro. He asked me to tag team. You did kind of knew what you were getting yourself into, though, right? Come on. It's good. We need this. How many of y'all just appreciate having Ashley up here? Come on. All right. Number two, love is kind. Love is kind. 
And um, I remember sitting with John Maxwell here on stage last month at our conference, and he said, I've ran into so many unkind Christians. He said, not at Victory, but he said in other places, and he said, I'm having to um, go the extra mile when I'm around my non-Christian friends to show them that Christians are kind. And he said, because so many of these business guys that he's worked with, they're not saved yet. And they've told him, you know, John, we've just ran into so many unkind, you know, Christians. And, and he said, well, that's not all of us. He said, there's a, there's a lot of us that are very kind. I'm thankful for a church that's just kind to people. Y'all are just sweet. You're kind. But kindness is, it requires patience. It requires looking people in the eye, not being checked out. Uh, yesterday, I had to run into a store, grocery store real quick, and I was in a hurry. I had to get back to one of our kids' basketball games, and I got stopped by five different people. And I didn't know them. They didn't, know, they didn't go to our church, but they watch Victory on, online or on TV. Uh, so I guess they would be an online church member or TV. And they, you know, they're telling me about my sermon. And, and on the inside, I'm like, I got to get out of here. I got to go. But then I was reminded watching my parents walk in patience and kindness when they would get stopped at a restaurant, a grocery store, seeing that example and just reminding myself, you know what? They may not know that I got five kids, that I got a busy schedule, and I can't miss this opportunity right here to just show kindness to the person that's right in front of me. So let's, let's choose to be kind. Then Paul goes, says, love is not envious. It's not jealous. Not jealous. Um, love celebrates other people's blessings. So when other people get ahead, just know that your moment's coming. And, and this isn't a moment to get envious or covet what they have. I remember when uh, Pastor Mike Todd blew up in Tulsa and his social media just went from like 5,000 followers to like 500,000 followers and their church took off. And on the inside, I was like, I was starting to get envious. I was starting to get jealous. And um, I remember calling my mentor and I just said, you know, I don't know why I'm feeling this way. And he said, Paul, you need to go take Mike to lunch. You guys are friends. So I took him to lunch and I said, Mike, I need to apologize. He said, I already know. I said, what do you mean you already know? He goes, you were jealous. I was like, hold up. How'd you know? He's like, because you haven't been liking any of my pictures lately or commenting. You ghosted me, bro. I was like, am I that obvious? He's like, yeah. I said, well, I thought you were buying followers and stuff. I thought you were paying for YouTube likes. And he was like, Paul, He's like, I promise you, your time is coming. But I remember in that moment hugging him, and now Mike and I are so good friends, and we have lunch maybe once every two months. But, you know, I think about how in that moment I was tempted to get jealous, and I probably did cross over into that jealousy. And listen, love refuses to be envious. Love makes a decision, you know what, I'm going to celebrate my brother's success. I'm going to celebrate my sister's success. I'm not going to get into a competition because the same God who blessed her can bless you too. The same God that took care of that family can take care of your family too. The same God that blessed that company can bless your company too. The same God that blessed that church can bless this church too. Come on, how many of y'all are thankful that God is not running out of blessings for your life? So celebrate people. Love is not boastful. Number four, love is not boastful or proud. You know, Ashley, we could talk about this one together. Um, there, there is this constant war against our ego that the enemy wants to keep us in a place of pride. And um, I remember watching this movie when I was younger. My, my sisters picked out this movie called Princess Bride. And there's this moment in Princess Bride where this guy goes, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. You guys remember that line? Or ten of us in the room. Uh, but that line, prepare to die. I remember my dad telling me right when we were getting close to getting married, he said, Paul, prepare to die. And I was like, is she going to kill me? He's like, no. He said, but a marriage won't survive if both of you demand your own way. Someone's got to die. There's, someone's got to die to self. Someone's going to have to die to selfishness for this marriage to work. And I just say this for any relationship. We've got to learn to die to ourselves. Love is not prideful. Love is not puffed up. Humility is our only path forward if we're going to make it. If you're going to make it, you've got to humble yourself. And, and we've got to be willing to lay down our rights, our pride. Um, here's the next point. Do you want to say anything on that, babe? Okay, the next one, love is not rude. Love is not rude. 
I wanna just show you a quick video of, of this couple that were struggling in this moment to communicate and how to speak without rudeness. Check this out. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless. And I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop were... trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing- You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. Yeah, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're out. not even listening now. Okay, fine, I will listen, fine. It's just, sometimes it's like, there's this achy, I don't know what it is and I'm not sleeping very well at all, and all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. Yeah, I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on, Ow. if you would just- Don't! <laughs> all right, somebody say it's not about the nail. It's not about the nail. All right. So love is not. <laughs> How many of you guys have experienced a moment like that in your. Yes. <laughs> like 24 hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, anyways, let's go on to the next point here. Love does not demand its own way. Do you want to talk about that? Do I demand my own way sometimes? Maybe, a little yeah, bit. I don't right. know. You know, I appreciate the honesty. It's true. It's true because my way is always right. I always got the best. Just kidding. So here's the thing. How I mean, I, there are moments where I definitely believe that, and I have to challenge my own thinking of, you know what? There's other ways to do this, and I will be the first to admit that I have to choose love in these moments that I'm not going to think my way is the best way all the time. And I also have to choose not to be demanding about it. And I love the sequence of the love is because a huge, a huge uh, helper in my love walk is number one, patience. Because if I can be patient, then I'm less demanding. If I can be patient, then I'm kind and I'm not rude. And so they, they build on one another. Yeah. And I'm thankful that our heavenly father, he's not demanding. Yeah. Everything that, he, when you read the word of God, it's, it's an invitation. Mm. It's an invitation. And when I receive, and I see when I change my filter and I allow my filter of how God operates with me and how this relationship is, it truly does show up here. But yeah, love choosing to realize, okay, you know what? This might be the way that I think that we should go. And it doesn't mean that we don't talk about those things. It just means we need to get our heart right to get the best way. And the reality is, is that God, we have seen God show up in our life and he'll bless a way if we're in unity. Yeah, that's good. If we're in unity. And so there was moments where we were first believing God for if we were going, after we got married, and we're like, do we wanna live in an apartment or a house, a condo? We were deciding what our next step was. And we took the Before You Say I Do class with Carl and Charity Taylor here. And they were talking about unity. And we both thought our ways were the best ways. And we both had lots of reasons why they were the best ways. And, you know, because both of us, especially me, I come prepared. I'm like, I learned that from my mom. My mom could have been a lawyer in another life. And I was like, you know, I got my reasons and I got my sources. And they're all cited of why I think this is the best way. And I've talked to my mentors and I've, and I've got it all lined up. 
And you know, they gave us some great advice about, you know, God's not gonna bless things that you're not in unity about. That's good. You know, and you can be praying your way. The reality is, is I was praying my way, he was praying his way, but the best way is unity. And they encouraged us to write down the things that you're really believing for, just write down the things that make the list are the things that we're in unity about. And that might have only been one or two things that we were in unity about, but man, we were going to pray those things out. Or if we were not in unity, that we would think, you know what? Let's just be in unity that God's will be done. Sometimes you're in a place where you're like, you know what? Can we just at least be in unity about God's will being done here? So if you're in a argument or fight or in a war with something in your life of like, man, I just want my way, flip that script and say, God, not my way, but your way, your will be done in this. Can I show an illustration with that? But I'm I, really nervous anytime you say the word illustration, okay, to be I honest. Okay, your help. But, All right, stand up. Okay. Stand up. All right. Move the seats I'm back. choosing to trust. All right. Love is a choice. So when you're in a place of disagreement, Pretend that this is the covering of God. When we're in disagreement, we're not praying about it. We're not walking in humility. We're up here. But if we're going to have God's blessing, you got to get low with me. You got to come under. And when you get in that prayer place right here, everybody say, come under. Come under. Come under God's authority. God can bless it. God can cover you. God can come around your family. God can come around that friendship. But you've got to come under, which means you got to humble yourself. You got to get low. All right, the, the illustration's over. Okay, nice. That wasn't too bad. <laughs> that wasn't too bad, see? Too bad. All right, okay, here we go. So love doesn't fly off the handle when things don't go your way. Um, love is not easily angered. It doesn't just snap um, and just go off on people. My dad used to say, blessed are the flexible, for they will not be bent out of shape. That was the extra beatitude that we added in our house. Everybody say, Be flexible. Be flexible. Don't get easily, don't sweat the petty stuff. That's what your dad said to us right when we got married. Just don't sweat the petty stuff. Don't make a big deal. Don't go off on every little thing. Have a longer fuse. And that might require just spending more time, honestly, in worship. Uh, Sometimes the reason we're easily irritated is we haven't been in the word enough. We haven't been in worship enough. We've been consumed with our own selfish thoughts. We need to be washed by the, by the word of God, by the presence of God, and then take a nap. Sometimes people are irritated because they just aren't sleeping enough. Go take a nap. My dad used to go rake the leaves when he was getting irritated with my mom. He'd just go outside. There's no leaves to rake. He'd just rake the, like he'd just start raking. And I was like, what are you raking? He's like, he's praying in tongues. I was like, dad, there's no leaves out here. He's like, oh, I'm just praying for your mom right now, you know. But we've got to continue to to monitor that. Love keeps no record of wrongs. You know, the Bible says his mercies are new every morning. I've seen so many relationships go south because of just holding on to the record, the receipts, the offenses. And Jesus says, that if we forgive our brothers and sisters, he forgives us. And you can't erase that. That's red letters. Like he said that in every gospel. People are like, well, that's pre-cross. It's Jesus. Like Jesus was pretty big on forgiveness. So much so that constantly, he, he did a whole chapter on it uh, where he talks about forgiving your brother 70 times seven. As many times as you need forgiveness from God, forgive those that have hurt you. Um, that we would continue to show mercy to people. Ashley, you want to do those last points and talk on that? Yeah, definitely. You know, um, love keeps no record of wrongs. You know, I was, as we were preparing for this sermon, I was thinking about, there was a moment early in our marriage when it was one of our New Year's Eve services here. And you know, New Year's, you're wanting a word, right? You're wanting, uh, God, what do you have for me this year? What do you want me to accomplish? And you're hoping that you get just this real big word of uh, prosperity or dreams or gonna do whatever that might be. And, and I just felt like God said, you know what, Ashley, before you go into this next year, I want you to give Paul a fresh slate. And if I was honest, I was, God was calling me to a level of honesty in my heart that I had just tucked away 
just little offenses, little offenses. I was thinking about, it's kind of a funny analogy, but you guys seen that really stupid movie, Dumb and Dumber, but it's pretty funny. And, you know, and he's just going, oh, pretty bird, pretty bird, and just petting the pretty bird. And I was thinking about so many times with our offenses and the hurts that people have caused us, sometimes we just like to nurture our hurts because it feels good and it continues to validate and justify our responses and the way that we show up. There's, it's, it's just, it's, it's weird how we, we, we like to do that sometimes. And God was like, Ashley, you need to give Paul a fresh slate. Why? Because I give you a fresh slate every morning. And sometimes, you know, male and female, we can be professional grudge holders. And there's some trauma that you've walked through. There's some things that those who are watching online, there's some things that, some heavy things that, that you've walked through. And you're like, well, I can never forget. How is God asking me to, to actually forget? Because I, I remember. It's not that you can't recall, but it's choosing not to just let that, let that go, like ignore that it ever happened, as much as I choose to let it go and I give it to God. Because me holding on is destroying my ability to walk in love for other people. And it's actually creating a big barrier to receive God's love and forgiveness right here. That we choose to not rehearse the hurts, but we choose to let God be our defender. We choose to let God be our vindicator. And we choose to allow the cross to be enough. We choose to allow His cross to be enough for whatever it was that hurt and caused pain. When Jesus was dying on the cross, He shouted out to God. He said, God, forgive the people next to me. Forgive them for they do not. And the people that are uh, persecuting me, God, forgive them for they do not know what they do. That God has not given us, He's not excusing the hurt that was caused, but He's also not giving you and me a pass to not walk in forgiveness to them. So does not keep a record of wrong. Love does not rejoice when other people fall, but that we can actually cover one another. That we're not quick to say, oh, I told you so. But that our heart is full of love to be able to extend when people need it. That there's moments around you that you do, you see that nail, right? You see that there's people in your life that you see that nail when there's opportunity that you can walk in love and maybe communicate some things of some adjustments that need to be made. But can I tell you that that there's people around you that you see an issue, but that you would continue to show up in love so that when they do fall or when they do mess up, that you're not able, that you're not going out there and reminding them of how long it took them to finally get it. That you don't rejoice when somebody falls because it validates whatever you think was true to begin with. Love does not rejoice when others fall, but love rejoices when the truth wins out. Love believes all things. Can we put that scripture? That love never gives up. It never loses faith. Love's always hopeful and endures through every circumstances. Once again, God does not give up on you. God does not think, oh wow, you finally got it. No, God is love. He's patient with us in our process. He has not given up. No matter how many cycles, no matter how many times you've gone back to that bad addiction, no matter how many times you've responded this way or that way, He has not given up on you. And man, when you really let it sink in, it doesn't want to make you do it more. It wants, it wants you, it fuels you up to choose to walk in love to people around you. Love doesn't give up on you. He, he, he believes the best about you. Therefore, we should be 
believing the best about other people. Man, and that is really hard. When people have disappointed you, when people have hurt you, when people have given you reasons to be suspicious about others, suspicious about your spouse, suspicious about your friends, suspicious about your boss, just suspicious about people. But the Word of God says that love believes all things. It's always showing up believing the best. And it doesn't mean there, there's not strategies of accountability and strategies of, you know, trust that's been broken and relationships or friendships. It doesn't mean that there's not things in place. But your trust is not in accountability. Your trust is not in a strategy. Your trust is in God. That I would rather, I'm going to be, I would rather, I would rather show up and get hurt by believing the best in someone and allowing God to heal my heart as a result of that hurt than live in constant suspicion about everyone. Because when you show up with suspicion to every relationship and every friendship, it's like taking a straw and drinking out every potential thing that that friendship and that relationship, every ounce of joy, every ounce of trust. Somebody could show up and wanna extend trust and extend love, but because you have unhealed areas of suspicion in your heart, you just drink up every effort. And that's why our class like Restore on Monday nights is so important because it deals with triggers. It deals with things in our past that, that give reason and language to why we show up to relationships, why we show up to life the way that we show up to. So trust God that even though that I've been hurt or I've been um, disappointed in the past, that I can allow God to deal with those hurts, that I could go to counseling, that I could reach out to a mentor to deal with those areas of suspicion that wants me, that tempts me to want to give up easily or show up with suspicion, that I allow God to trust those areas in our heart because love believes all things. It endures all things because love never fails. So good. You know, I want to read the last part of 1 Corinthians 13 and and Paul just brings it all together. He says, listen, prophecies are going to go away someday. Speaking in tongues someday is going to disappear. We know in part, we see in part, we can't fully see because we're here on earth and there's a perspective in heaven that we have not yet seen. That that great cloud of witnesses, they can see things we don't see. In our relationships, they can see things even in the world that we see partially. But then Paul says this, he says, now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So church, as we take this this week, I just encourage you, man, get that passage in your house. If you don't have it up somewhere, put it somewhere, put it on a note card, put it in your bathroom that you would just ponder and reflect on maybe one of those thoughts. What does it look like to practice patience this week? What would it look like to really apply kindness today to everyone around me, that we would show that to each other? How many of you guys got something today out of this? How many are thankful to have Pastor Ashley up here with me? Love you. Let's stand to our feet all over this place. So many parts of this message that stand out to me. But you know, as we, um, let's just close our eyes all over this place today as we come to this moment of surrender. I believe God is calling all of us to a place of surrender. whether it's surrender to apologize or just surrender to forgive or surrender to, yeah, to receive God's forgiveness for yourself, to let go of shame, to let go of guilt, regret. And God's saying, I wanna cleanse you, I wanna wash you, I wanna give you a hope and a future. Maybe you're here today and you just say, man, we just need more peace in our house. We just need more unity in our relationships. Or maybe you just need a fresh wind. You go, you know, we're good, but we just need a, a fresh wind of, of vision of, of God's love flowing through our house and what he wants to do in this next season. 
maybe here today and you're single or you're divorced and you're going, God, I, I want to believe that you've got someone for me, that you've, you've got something planned for me that's good. But maybe it's just been hard. Maybe the waiting season has been hard. Maybe the heart healing process you've been in, that journey of allowing God to heal your heart has been difficult. Maybe it's hard to let go of some wounds that are just outstanding in your life. But today is a day to just receive his love. I really believe this altar is an altar of healing, healing of the heart, washing of the mind, allowing his peace to settle into your hearts. If, if you're here today with heads bowed and eyes closed and you just, you need to surrender some things to God, allow God to work in your heart today before we leave this building. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hand up today. Maybe you want to come down with your spouse, with your mom, your dad, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your family. Maybe you just want to come by yourself. Would you just leave your seat? The first one to the cross wins. That this is a time to surrender, to say, God, show me how to love the way you love me. Show me how to forgive the way you've forgiven me. Show me how to be patient the way that you've been patient with me. All over this room, if you just need to refill on God's love, just find a place at this altar. If you need forgiveness, find a place at this altar. If you need to give forgiveness to somebody who's hurt you, find a place at this altar. You say, God, I don't know how, but I'm choosing to trust that you can help me forgive some people who've majorly let me down. Lord, if you could forgive those that killed you on the cross and say, forgive them for they know not what they do. God, show me how to forgive the people who know not what they've done to me. They don't know the pain they've caused. Lord, I just pray right now for every person that's coming down to this altar. I pray for moms and dads, husbands, wives, sons, daughters. God, friends, brothers, sisters, those that have just been hurt. God, that you would bring healing in this place right now. That you would bring your love to wash over us in this place right now. Go ahead, band, just lead us in that worship song. The altar is open for anyone who needs Jesus, anyone who needs hope, anyone who needs forgiveness, anyone who needs God's love to touch your heart today.
Come on, there's no wall. Loves you so much. There's no shadow you won't lie up. Mountain you won't climb up. Coming after me. Oh, there's no wall you won't get down. Lie up, stay down. Coming after me. There's no shadow you won't lie up. Mountain you won't climb up. Coming after me. like they've been stuck in a cycle in some relationships or maybe in your walk with God or maybe just internally you feel stuck in a cycle and I just want to speak when you feel stuck in a cycle and you're stuck in the patterns just repeating the same behavior patterns I want you can you can begin to feel pretty helpless and you can begin to lose hope But I just wanna tell you and and encourage you that not all hope is lost and you just need a new strategy. Love is work. And sometimes we grew up in a home and we weren't really taught how to love well. We We weren't really shown that. And so we go into our adult relationships and our adult friendships without any new tools. Love is work. We have tools, we go to our tool belt and we think, man, I have this problem. And we only go to the tools that we've been shown or our own experience. And I just wanna speak to the helpless soul. Not all hope is lost. You just need a new strategy. You just need some new tools on your belts. And that is possible. And that's one reason why we have discipleship classes and our restore classes, because what you do, that's why mentorship, going up to one of the couples who have been married for decades to figure out what tools do you have on your belt? Because I feel stuck and I just need a new tool. One new tool might be counseling. One new tool, there's been moments in my life where I've gone to a counselor, a a mentor, and I've just vomited things on them and just getting things off my chest helps me rearrange my thoughts and give me new perspective. If you feel helpless or hopeless, you'll give up. And what will happen is we'll think, well, I just don't care. So we just numb ourselves or we just have an I don't care mentality. Don't settle for an I don't care. But if you have that, don't feel shame or condemnation. Just recognize, you know what? I just need a new tool on my belt. If love is work and I'm working hard to love, in fact, I am sweating it out. I am working hard to love. Get some new tools on your tool belt. And I believe that that will help you out of your cycle. Come on, let's pray this together. Say, Jesus, I surrender to you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for your forgiveness. You died on the cross for me, my sin. You paid for it. You rose from the dead. And I confess you as my Lord, my Savior. I need you, Lord. I repent of my sin and I receive your forgiveness. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for helping me to love others the way you love me. Holy Spirit, help me in my love walk to be like Jesus. 
I'm all yours, God. In Jesus' name, amen.